Hey there, welcome back. I'm Jesse D, a master's student in ecology and evolution and an open world RPG gamer. Welcome to the first episode of the next series in Gamer's Guide to Ecology, where I play popular open world RPGs from an ecological perspective. On today's episode of Gamer's Guide to Ecology, I dive into the strange world of xenobiology and talk about potential alien biomes and biodiversity and their similarity to life on Earth. You can follow along with my playthroughs on twitch.tv slash justjessyd on Thursday and Friday nights from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. This month I'm playing Subnautica, published by Unknown Worlds Entertainment in 2018. It rose in popularity through streaming sites like Twitch and YouTube, and especially so during the pandemic. It's a survival and crafting game that takes place almost entirely underwater on an alien planet called Planet 4546b. As a survivor of a crashed interstellar spaceship, you have to fight off hunger, thirst, and the dangers of unknown flora and fauna to survive and find a way to escape the planet. This game is terrifying. It's a vast open world full of action and adventure and plenty of secrets to discover. Get your Jacques Cousteau fix exploring aquatic biomes at various depths and search for answers about past crash survivors, all while dodging dangerous predators. Subnautica has a quick day-night cycle in which it gets particularly dark under the water at night. The atmosphere is breathable to humans, and presumably the water on planet 4546b is salt water because you have to find a way to make fresh water to drink. Recall that a large-scale terrestrial environment characterized by a particular climate and dominant plant life is called a biome. Aquatic biomes exist too and are stratified zones based on depth, light quality, and temperature. Today I'll talk about some of the biomes in Subnautica and in-game examples of plants and animals that can be found in them. Since this game is based on an aquatic alien world, there are no real-life examples of the animals depicted, and most of the biomes in-game are free from anthropogenic disturbances. To wrap up, I'll tell you my overall rating of Subnautica and some of my favorite parts of the game. The game begins with a splash, when your escape pod lands in the shallows of a water planet. You emerge from your escape pod into a colorful and wildlife-rich coral reef-type area. On Earth, coral reefs support highly diverse communities of microscopic organisms, plants, and animals. And that's also true for the Safe Shallows biome in Subnautica. The Safe Shallows is aptly named because it's the shallowest biome and contains relatively few predator species. There's a high density of bladder fish for filtered water, other edible fish, and corals and mushrooms that you can use for crafting. The initial easy access to a high number of important resources makes this area ideal for a first base structure. Exploring beyond the safe shallows, you'll find the kelp forest biome. This biome is dominated by a kelp-like plant called creepvine that mutes light intensity and gives the area an eerie green glow. Kelp forests on Earth are home to a high variety of organisms and predators, and the in-game kelp forest is no exception. At the start of the game, this is a good area to get quartz crystal and salt deposits for crafting. You'll also find lots of metal salvage and wrecks to dive here. Both the safe shallows and the kelp forest biomes also have many caves that can be dangerous to explore if your oxygen capacity is low. Radiating out from the safe shallows, another nearby but deeper in-game biome is the grassy plateaus. This biome is characterized by wide open flat areas dominated by red seagrasses. 
If you stand still on the bottom, you might just forget that you're underwater because the grass moves back and forth gently as though there was a light breeze. This area has a high level of biodiversity of edible fish, but they're fast and appear in such low density that they're hard to catch. Density is an ecological measure that describes the number of individuals in a population per unit of area. Although there might be a lot of fish in this area, because they're so spread out, they're said to be in low density. This biome is easy to pilot large vehicles around it and makes a great large base location. There are some more dangerous predators in this biome, and you might come across your first Leviathan-class creature here. Leviathan-class organisms are not taxonomically related. Remember taxonomy and related species? Leviathan-class organisms are classified solely based on their large size. The vicinity of the crashed spaceship is called the crash zone. This ecological zone has been severely damaged by the crash and the subsequent leaking of radiation from the ship's engines. It is essentially a barren underwater, sandy wasteland riddled with scrap metal and supply containers. Be warned, dangerous predators roam here and may have been drawn to the area by the noise and creation of new territory. I'll talk more about the behavior of leviathans that may or may not be in this area in the next episode. There are other distinct cave biomes in Subnautica that exist at depths of 500 meters or more. These deep biomes have unique plant and animal life that are adapted to those environments. There's no natural light in caves or at such depths, so a lot of animals here are capable of bioluminescence, which is a method that organisms use to produce light through chemical means, like fireflies. I'll discuss the potential forces of selection that plants and animals would experience in these regions and the resultant evolutionary adaptations in the coming episodes. I want to dry off today by sharing my favorite part of this game. While exploring the world, you sometimes come across old bases constructed by previous survivors of crashed ships. I love that these old structures are rusted, broken, and being inhabited and claimed by flora and fauna. For instance, they're sometimes covered in barnacles and have fish, grasses, and a venomous jellyfish-like creature living inside them. When plants and animals reclaim habitat following a disturbance event, or colonize new substrate, ecologists call this succession. This is a natural process that occurs on Earth too. You can see succession in action underwater if you Google photos of sunken ships. Succession also occurs on land and is the basis of the meme, Nature's Healing. If you want to see ecological succession happening terrestrially, look up photos of Pripyat, an abandoned town near the Chernobyl power plant in Ukraine. Subnautica is a super fun game if you want minimal cues from the game on where to go or what to do next. Its beautiful marine landscapes and high biodiversity make the world feel alive. Large predators reinforce the feeling that you're the alien in their home surf. For the freedom to explore the world at your own pace, limited by realistic oxygen, hunger, and thirst demands, I recommend Subnautica to gamers that love survival and crafting and give it five sea stars. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, please hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening today and download new episodes as they come out. And please follow my Twitch channel as well. Come say hi in the chat during streams at twitch.tv slash justjessyd to help me hit affiliate. Your support means that I can buy more open world and RPG games and keep making episodes about in-game ecology. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to catch you next time. Podcast art is by Laura LeBlanc. Theme music is called Rain Song by Brett Eagleston, and you can hear more of his music at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com. Bandcamp.com.